Hello, I'm Eric Lacasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama Podcast. Today we'll be talking about Hanukkah. Stick around for some hope, healing, and maybe even some laughs. Welcome once again to another Messy Messianic Mama Podcast. Today is the 29th of November, 2021. If you are keeping track, actually at sunset last night, was the first night of Hanukkah, and it goes on until the 6th of December, although technically it's actually the 7th because it doesn't end until sunset on the 7th. So those are our eight nights of Hanukkah. I hope that you guys have uh, gotten ready and were prepared for Hanukkah. I'm going to talk a little bit about it. If you want to know a little bit more in depth, I guess you can go back to my previous podcast from last year when it was Hanukkah season. Um... But I'm going to go over it a little bit again and just the significance of each of the candles, which I didn't really do last year, I don't believe. So let's get started. First and foremost, like I do every single week, I'm going to let you know what this uh, upcoming week's Torah portion is. And um, it actually has two um, half Torah portions based on my own research anyways. I found two different ones. But this week's Torah portion is called Mechetz, and the Torah portion itself is Genesis chapter 41, verses 1 to chapter 44, verse 17. And then you have two half Torah portions, like I said. You have 1 Kings 3 to verse 15 to chapter 4, verse 1. And then the second one is Zechariah chapter 2, verse 14 through chapter 4. To verse 7. And then we have the Brit Hadashah, or Brit Hadashah, um, which is the New Testament portion, which is John chapter 10, verses 22 to 28. I'm actually, I don't know if you can tell if my voice, try to keep a straight face, because as soon as I started talking, the rooster started crowing. So I have no idea, once again, if you can hear them or not, but if I sound distracted, I'm blaming it on the roosters. Um, so Hanukkah, Hanukkah is one of those really joyous times. It is not a replacement for Christmas. I know um, there are some Messianic believers who believe that it is. It's not. So I'm actually going to read this to you. This is a um, what we actually read with our family every single year. It's a Hanukkah story in a nutshell. It's Hanukkah is also known as the Feast of Dedication. That's when they dedicate the temple. It takes eight days to do so. Hanukkah is a memorial feast to remember the rededication of the temple in Jerusalem under the leadership of Judah Maccabee in the year 167 BC. Maccabee is a derivative of the Hebrew word for hammer, and it is also an acrostic created by combining the first letter of the Hebrew words, Mikamoka be Elohim Adonai, who is like you, O Lord, from amongst the gods. The festival of Hanukkah was established by Judah Maccabee himself in 167 BC. Although not one of God's appointed times, Hanukkah was celebrated in Yeshua's time and observed by him, which you can find in John chapter 10, verse 22, which is actually part of the Brit Hadashah this week. There is much to be learned in the story of Hanukkah. In a nutshell, this is how it goes. In the 4th century BC, Alexander the Great ruled most of the known world. He dominated all the Near East, which included the land of Israel. During this time, the Greek Hellenistic culture 
was enforced. Jewish practices, such as the keeping of the Sabbath and the circumcision, were forbidden, and the Jews were commanded to sacrifice pigs to Zeus in the temple. In order to fit in, many Jews assimilated into the Hellenistic culture. Come, let us reach an understanding with the pagans surrounding us, for since we have separated ourselves from them, many misfortunes have overtaken us. Some Jews resisted and upheld the Torah, keeping themselves separate from Adonai. Separate to Adonai, I should say. Many of these were brutally murdered. In Jerusalem, the Greeks built a gymnasium. Because those who frequented the gymnasium did so naked, Jews disguised their circumcision and abandoned the Torah for philosophy, submitting to the heathen rule and the so-called New World Order. When Alexander the Great died, his kingdom was divided into four parts, which you can read about in Jan Daniel chapter 8, verses 21 to 25. Antiochus Epiphanes one rule over Egypt and Israel. The Jews continued to submit until it was too late. Antiochus broke into the holy place in the temple and stole the golden altar and the menorah. Two years later, he set himself up as God and supreme ruler in Jerusalem, putting the following laws into effect. All are to be a single people. Disobedience will be punished by death. Torah study is banned. All books of the Torah are to be burned. Those who circumcise their children will be flayed alive with their child. Antiochus Epiphanes' final desecration was the sacrificing of a pig in the temple. He forced a priest to eat the flesh of swine and then poured the blood onto the altar. A rebellion began led by Mattathias, the priest, and his five sons. This family was respected and influential, and they led the Jewish people into fasting and repentance. During the rebellion against the Greeks, many Jews were martyred, but many battles were also won. When Mattathias died, his son Judah took over. Judah was a man of great courage and fully trusted in God. He was known as Judah Maccabee, the hammer. Although outnumbered four to one, Judah's army won every battle against the Greeks and turned many Jews back to Torah. In the last battle, the Maccabean killed over 8,000 pagans. On the 24th of Kislev, the temple was rededicated and purified, exactly three years to the day since it was desecrated. The Talmud says that a miracle occurred in that while the temple menorah only had enough oil to last one day, it remained burning for eight days. Judah and the Maccabeam decreed that from then on, this rededication of the temple was to be an eight-day memorial, beginning on the 24th of Kislev every year, and it has been ever since. So the story of Hanukkah is very relevant to the days in which we live. Society and religion have, been very, have become very Hellenistic. Body worship through the overwhelming focus on gymnasiums, etc. You know, and you're like, gymnasiums? Okay, guys, come on. Football, soccer, baseball, any of these ringing a bell? Lawlessness, new world orders, and the pressure to assimilate. The compromising Jews of the days before the Maccabees surely did not want to see their people desecrated, their tour burned, nor their people killed. Yet their lack of love for God's commandments, their desire to be like everyone else, and disregard for being a people set apart, all led to the inevitable consequences which followed. Today, we seriously need to make some choices before it becomes too difficult or too late. Will we obey God or follow the leading of men? Do we desire acceptance from the world or of Adonai, the creator? Now, I know some people may take offense to what I said about the whole, you know, football, baseball, all those different things. There's nothing wrong with those things. What's wrong with it is when you see these people who have made it their religion, 
And if you have no idea what, what I'm talking about, then maybe you don't own a television where you see these people dressed up to the nines, where they're even painted in their team's colors, and they're hooting and hollering and going crazy. Now, can you see those same people doing something like that for Adonai when they go to their congregations or their churches or their synagogues? Are they fired up for the Lord like they're fired up for their teams in that gymnasium? On the whole, the answer to that question is no. And I think that that's a really good reflection of our own hearts. Not to say that, you know, I'm sinless because I'm not. I have a lot of sin and I have a lot of things that I myself need to reflect upon and think about. And this being a time of rededication every single year, not that you have to wait for this time, but it's just a good reminder every year. Is my heart right with the Lord? Am I doing what I should be doing? Now, on to the candles where, you know, some are like, oh, this is something from the Talmud. We don't really follow that. Going to keep it real with you. Our family doesn't really either. But this is one of those times where we talk about good traditions and bad traditions. And in this case, our family considers this a good tradition. And I'm going to show you why. So the lights of Hanukkah are a symbol of our joy. In times of darkness, our ancestors had the courage to struggle for freedom. Freedom to be themselves. Freedom to worship in their own way. Theirs was a victory of the weak over the strong, the few over the many, and the righteous over the arrogant. It was a victory for all ages and for all peoples. So, on the first night, we light the servant candle and the first candle. The servant candle is also known as the shamash candle. And those of us who are Messianic know that we consider the servant candle to be Yeshua. Messiah Yeshua stated in Mark chapter 10, 44 to 45, whoever wishes to be first among you shall be the servant of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So for me, I see this servant candle as Yeshua and also as the hope that we will one day become that same light, just like Yeshua for the world. The first candle represents the first time light occurred in this world. So you go to Genesis chapter one, verses three to four describes the creation of the first light. God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. The second candle Exodus 13, verse 21 to 22, reveals that God is the source of Israel's light. And the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. The third candle, King David reminds us that God himself is the source of our own individual light. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Psalm 18, 28, for you light my lamp. The Lord, my God, illuminates my darkness. The fourth candle, you find Psalm 119 to verse 109 and Psalm 119, 130. They describe the light that comes from God's word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The unfolding of your words gives light. 
It gives understanding to the simple. The fifth candle, Messiah Yeshua is the greatest light of all. John 1 verses 4 through 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. As Messiah Yeshua was in the temple in Jerusalem watching the illuminating lights, he declared in John 8 verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in the darkness, but shall have the light of life. Age Simeon was promised by the Lord that he would not die until he saw Israel's Messiah. When he saw Yeshua as an infant in the temple, he knew that this one was the light of Israel and the nations. Simeon declared in Luke 2, verse 30 to 32, My eye has seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. For God who said, in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Messiah. The sixth candle. After we come to know Messiah, we are to be a source of light for the world. Messiah Yeshua tells us in Matthew chapter 4, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under the peck measure, but on your lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The seventh candle, the prophet Isaiah, speaks of the future glory of a restored Israel in Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. The eighth candle, Revelations 21, verse 22 to 27, gives us a description of our glorious eternal dwelling place in the new Jerusalem. And I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God has illuminated it. And its lamp is the Lamb. And the nations shall walk by its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. And in the daytime, for there shall be no night there, its gates shall never be closed. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying, shall ever come into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now isn't that just a beautiful depiction of all the promises of the Lord and showing us how he is the light of the world and how we are called to be the same. And that's one of the reasons I really do love Hanukkah. Um, we've actually talked to our children and as of right now, we're not buying any gifts at all during Hanukkah because it gets to a point, all my kids are teenagers. Um, you got to give them some grace there, but you know, you start focusing on the presence and you start forgetting about what Hanukkah is actually about. It's not even about presents. In fact, traditionally, you're not even supposed to give presents on Hanukkah. If you're going to give presents, it's actually supposed to be during Purim, um, which is actually typically around February, March time. So um, if that's just a little tidbit for you, but typically we do do presents simply because most of our family not our immediate family, you know, not, not the ones that live in our home, but everyone else, my mother, my father, my, you know, cousins, aunts, uncles, the same on my 
husband's side, they all still celebrate Christmas and they all still want to buy our children gifts to show them that they love them and because it's Christmas time. So our compromise is basically you can buy them Hanukkah gifts and give them Hanukkah gifts. So that's kind of what works for us. You know what? If you choose not to celebrate Hanukkah, there's no harm, no foul. God does not command us to celebrate Hanukkah. Um, We choose to do so just to remind ourselves of the joy of the Lord and that he is our light and our salvation. And it's really good to remember that each and every day in our walk, in our faith, to remind us what it is that we're put on this earth for. Our our purpose is to become more and more like Yeshua. And if Yeshua is the light of the world, then we too should be a light in the darkness. And if our light is not shining and we become like the darkness itself, are we truly following Yeshua? We need to remember to not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. That does not mean you simply ostracize the world and, and, you know, exile yourself from the world and set yourself apart in that manner because Yeshua didn't do that. Now, I understand when your kids are little and you're trying to protect them from the outside world. I get that. However, Yeshua calls us to be a light to the world. That means that we need to go out and preach the good news to all the world. That means, you know, even when you're going to the grocery store or you're going out to eat or taking your children to school if you don't homeschool, you know, a great example of that is our rabbi's wife. We all love you, Karen. She is fantastic at that. God has blessed her with an evangelist spirit. No matter where they go out to eat, who they talk to, she is asking them where do they go to church? Do they know Jesus? Like she gets all up and she does it in such a way where people aren't offended. And I think that is amazing, especially in this day and age. Um, But it's just amazing to me how many times she'll call me and say, hey, I've got another phone number for you. This waitress I just met, let's put her on the list. We can invite them to Bible study. And, you know, she's just amazing at that. And that's one of her strengths. And I can honestly say that is not one of my strengths. I definitely struggle in that area, probably because I I am such an intense personality that I know that I can come off really strong. So I have to be really careful about how I go about things like that. But I would encourage you, get out of your comfort zone and be a light that Yeshua has called us to be. During this time, love yourself, love your family, love your neighbors, and who are neighbors? Everyone, every single person. You know, this is, I know, a really hard time for a lot of people because they've lost loved ones and they feel lonely. And I would ask those of us who do not consider this a a very difficult time to seek out those people and to invite those people into your homes and show them the love of Yeshua. And that doesn't mean that you have to shove the Bible down their throat. It means you can show them through your acts and your deeds, the love of Yeshua. You can show them how you live your life. Right? Now, as I do every single week, I'm going to leave you with the ironic benediction, which you can find in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Bashem Yeshua Sashalom in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. May you have a blessed week.
I hope you have a fantastic Hanukkah. I know that I myself am, am resolved to have a great Hanukkah. And just remember whose light you are during this time. I'll see you all next time. Please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com. That's E is in Echo, L is in Lemur, M is in Mike, M is in Mike, M is in Mike, the number three at ProtonMail.com. You can also leave me a one-minute voicemail message on Anchor.fm slash Erica LaCasse, and it should have a button right there to say, leave a voice message. Remember to keep it short and sweet if you have any questions or you just want to leave a nice little comment. I would love to hear from you.